0: That looks familiar. We are on the third chapter of 1 John. Can you believe it? Three days of this. And you guys are still going. Got to eat again. And uh, we get to dig into this uh, this little book that just keeps on giving. We are entering into, on this one, a relationship... Uh, fellowship with God, but also the fellowship with the, the other believers. So we're entering into uh, how that works, what we're to look for. How do we know uh, that we are in truly in God's family? All of that's going to come up in here, and it will help us kind of identify some things that probably need to be need to be part of our. Uh, thinking when we're dealing with uh, things in the church, how we how we recognize things in the world. How do we know when we're walking with God in different areas? So we'll get into that. Let's let's pray and ask the Lord to be with us, Father. Thank you for your your truth. Thank you for the Scriptures. Thanks for preparing them for us, but also keeping them uh, two thousand years in the New Testament, so we are grateful to have them available to us and uh, guide us in this time so that we're drawing from you, from the Spirit of God, not just from our own thinking, and uh, recognizing that you are the author and that you have a plan for us that you want us to listen and to apply, and we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so chapter 3. This is a... Um, well, we'll get started with this. We've got to go back to chapter 2, so I'll just read that for you. It'll be up right on the screen as well. God's children. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns, you will be full of courage And not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. That recognizing righteousness. And that's a weird word. And you've probably dealt with that before. Uh, What do you do with a word that sounds like that? And if you just reduce it down to just doing what's right and doing what's right. And God's eyes—that's that's pretty much righteous. And it's it's being uh, doing things in order. It pleases God. All that thing, all of that comes together, and that's what we want. We want to have that that kind of relationship with Him. So we know that Christ is righteous. He did what was right. He did it the whole time. He did what was right in terms of relationship with God, faith. I mean. course he's not going to have non-faith because he's all about it and he did what was right in terms of people and so that's why Christ is righteous He, he didn't he was perfect and he he never failed and we know that all who do what is right are God's children which means are we doing what's right according to what God's given us to do now, if you run that through the scale, and we talked about this a little yesterday, so you run it through the scale, do I have more good going on, good in my mind, what, what's expected from God? Good in terms of what maybe my Christian experience or my Christian group says is good? Because it may be different. Different churches, different denominations, different histories, and some people say this is... Good. Just a minute ago, we were talking about uh, women having head coverings. So what if you're a woman running around without a head covering? That's not good. Well, it depends on what church you're in. So they have a list, and people come up with those lists. And they'll say, well, that's, that's doing the right thing. So you are right with God if you do the right thing. And so you have to have something on your head. And you go well is that really is that the thing God said because that's what we have to come back to what is it and God what's right with God not right with pleasing others pleasing a group even if it's historic it doesn't make it right or even if the majority like it it doesn't make it right it has to be from God's perspective it has to please him so that's what we are looking at so We do what's right. We're God's children because we're doing connecting with him. Oh, and and on the scale thing, one of the things we started with in chapter 1 was, if you say you don't have sin, you're a liar. Guess which way that tips the scale? And if you say you've never sinned, then you're saying God's a liar. Guess which way that tips the scale? Doing what's right means... I own that I mess up. That's righteous. You go, well, that can't be. It's exactly what he's saying. Jesus is the only perfect one. Remember that? So, apart from him, the rest of us are going to mess up. That's what chapter one's about. So, chapter one says you're going to mess up, you're going to sin, you're going to fail, you're going to fall short. So, own it, admit it, bring it to him, and let him forgive and cleanse. And make it right, so that then you can have fellowship with Him, which He said, and fellowship His blood cleanses us, so we can have fellowship with each other. That's righteous. You knew that, right? Or are you still running on the scale thing? Because that's the easier one. Is to run with the scales, or the it's it's more typical. So anyway. What we're talking about is being right, being God's children, with what he's telling us, how we can have this relationship with him. So let's start this down in chapter 3, children of God. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. We talked some about some of the uh, movies that are out and some of the uh, hidden things, and sometimes like a a, a secret agent saving the world and and somebody's stealing nuclear weapons and they're going to blow up the world and somebody secretly goes out and saves the world and and for the most part, nobody knows about it. And we have a variety of, of other heroes that show up. So those are unique and they're in the crowd and they're in these movies or stories, they're, they're among us and we don't recognize them. We don't recognize the dangers that are going on and other superheroes recognize other superheroes and you know, if you watch those movies, you can kind of see that. What are we dealing with here? A similar thing. We are known and loved by God. So God from heaven, from the throne, knows us, knows us by name. He knows how many hairs are on our heads. And he knows us in detail in every breath we've ever taken. We're told even when we were being formed in our mother's womb, he's there. He's knitting us together. He's making it his way. So we got all of those things. He knows us, and, he's, and he loves us, and he is... Connected to us. He's given Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins. He wants that family. And we get to be part of that family. So we're loved by God. We're known by God. So that's that's part of being this this child. And the world doesn't recognize that. Because they just see people. And they're blinded to all of those things. Because of the, the evil that's in the world. The darkness that is on, on them. They don't see what God is doing uh, in in fact they may just be angry about it and and respond negatively which we will get into but that they don't recognize God's children so unrecognized by the world and people who are walking with God who know the Lord have a special place in the world to influence this world with light and love, with the reality of the living God, and whether you know it or not, you are a spiritual superhero that isn't recognized by the world because of that relationship that you have with him. And I should have done something with uh, some kind of illustration that we could put up there, but you have the privilege of prayer so you're living you, you're living this life out walking with God and you're connecting with other people and you can bring truth you can bring light you, just just in your demeanor in the way you treat people your concern about others and loving loving others in the uh, in the family the body of Christ all of that's making a huge difference and, and, and people can see there's something going on here That isn't like what we see in the world Or among the people in the world The prayer part of it is You pray for things And like I'm going to pray for the government To like have a brain And, the, and, and you go well yeah, I'm just going to stop praying Because I just don't, they, they still don't have one and I've been praying a lot, of, a lot of years, and I guess that doesn't work. We have National Day of Prayer every, every May, and wow, it makes a difference. The difference is we don't know how bad things could be, and our prayers are keeping that at a distance so that we can have the freedom to make Christ known, to live out the life that God has given us, so that we can live the light of that relationship with with Christ and express the love within the relationships we have around us. And we can do that in peace or freely without being hauled into court or being uh, macheted to death, which is happening in other places. And you go, yeah, I don't think my prayers are doing anything. Yeah, they are. Greatly. You are a spiritual superhero. If you stop praying, you say, well, this, this is worthless. He addresses that in this book. That's a lack of faith. That's saying he is not capable. He lacks power. He lacks integrity. He's, he's obviously lied to us. And he's already said, don't go down that road and call God a liar. So when we're walking with him, and we're living this life out, we're making a difference in the crowd around us, whether they recognize we're the super- superheroes or not, and they're probably not going to be in favor of the things we're in favor of. Have you noticed that, just in things that come up in the legislature <laughs> or in the courts? Yeah, that's just part of it. That's the reality. But you're known and loved by God, unrecognized by the world, spiritual superheroes. God is at work. He's doing some amazing things. There's more to come. Dear friends, he says in in verse 2, we are already God's children. Yeah, we got that. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. So what we have is this uh, model of information. We have some idea of what Jesus was about. We have the scriptures. We have the Holy Spirit with us. He's going to give us some information. So in the world of theology, there's the already and not yet. We're already God's children. That's what he said. We're already God's children. That's already happened. Christ died on... On the cross, paid the penalty, he rose from the dead, he set things right. We're in a new era because of all that he has done. So that's already happened. But there's part of this that's not yet. So we haven't fully gotten there. But there are parts of this that we can experience right now. There is more about Christ to be revealed. More about Christ to be revealed. We don't know everything about him, which is what John is saying. And John, remember, he's the one, the disciple that Jesus loved. He's the one who just hung out with him and laid on his lap and cuddled up. And I mean, he, he thought Jesus was it. And later Jesus is coming to see him and, and it, they're close. And he's saying, we don't know all that there is to know. We're going to see him as he is. Go, wow. If you didn't know, buddy, the rest of us, Wow, And he's saying, oh, there's more. Because we're going to see him in his glory, in his majesty. And he saw part of that on the Mount Transfiguration when all that was going on. But he's, he's saying, there's more to this. And, and what God's going to reveal, what he's going to show us in, in who Jesus is, is who we will be. Because all of a sudden, all of those things that we have been disappointed with in ourselves will be gone. He's already paid the penalty for the sin, but there are aspects of who we are as people, as God's children, that he is going to break forth, and we are going to have abilities we've never had, skills we've not had, and we're going to have intelligence that we've not known, ability to communicate in ways that are far beyond what we know now, and we will understand more about the Uh, plan what God's doing. We won't understand it. The whole song, and you will know it by and by, Mm, no. We will learn some, but we have eternity to learn a lot. But just getting to heaven does not guarantee everybody knows everything immediately. So, songwriters need to take that into consideration. We have Christ revealed to us In his majesty and glory. And John is saying, we're going to have that too. We're not going to be like him in the sense that we're going to be perfect like him. And we have a history like him that extends back to before the beginning. Not that. We will be like him in this majesty and his glory. Because we're going to be part of the family that will be around the throne. Accomplishing what he once accomplished. And... Able at that point, to discern what's good and right, because part of the job is to judge angels. And you know, who can do that? Because you know, those, those guys have been busy doing well, there's some angels who didn't do so good, and uh, the Lord's going to have us busy doing that. So human beings will be judging, God's children will be judging the angels. You've got to have some ability to do that, and he's going to provide it. So this is pretty good, First uh, John 3, two. There's more about you and God's other children to be revealed. So just remember that when you get frustrated with another child of God, that there's glory there, something amazing there. It's going to break loose. Undefiled, verse 3. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. All who have this eager expectation of what? Of seeing Christ, of seeing him as he is. And then we get to be in this glorious state as well. And that eager expectation enters into our thinking and our planning because if you're like most human beings, you go, well, I, I got from here to, you know, 85, 90 years, and that's pretty much it. And so I'm going to plan everything around that. Got to plan retirement. Got to plan my finances. Got to plan the house and how I'm going to plant trees and, and what the legacy will be and get your trust ready and all the important stuff. All who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Looking towards that day of standing before God, of being transformed like Christ, being uh, now a glorious being in the family of God, functioning in eternity as he has planned, can motivate us to do things differently, to have different priorities, to not think I got to squeeze everything in to the days I've got on earth and all of those days need to fit a certain criteria and I need to be happy with it. It all has to fit so that I'm happy with it. And he's saying, no, I'm talking about being pure, having no regrets about walking with him about seeing that God has something so vital and important for us that we go into heaven carrying that with us when we face the Lord when we stand before his throne we're going there ready to go ready to move forward that's what he's asking us to do and he says keep if you look out there remember colossians 3 think about heaven not the things of earth So what do you get from that, Christians? First thing is pushing back. Well, how can you not think about the things of earth? Not bothered by the fact that he just said, think about heaven. Like, how can I do that? How can I do that better? How can I change the way I'm thinking? No. No, I got things on earth. I got important things on earth. And God in heaven saying, keep your eyes out there. You just said it again. This is where it is. You look have this expectation, excitement about what Jesus is doing and who he is and who you will be when that day comes. Keep yourselves pure just as he is pure. Here's a contrary thing. Verses 4 through 6. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Uh Uh-oh. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. That's why you got this guy stepping on the Ten Commandments, just so you get a clue as to how that works. And the sin is contrary to God's law, so he's He's wanting us to be listen to him, to do what he has for us to do, because it will be the best for us and everyone concerned. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sin, so we got that. And then he comes back to, because he just told us, if we keep this eager expectation about Jesus coming, we're looking at him, we're saying, yeah, that's what I want. I'm ready for him to show up anytime when he Bust through when, it, when that eastern sky splits. That's him. Wow. He says, yep, looking at that, anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. And you go, wow. I don't know. I think maybe I have. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. What he's saying is, when we have our eyes on him... And we are set with his priorities. We're making him central in our lives. We are motivated by a whole different... uh, another power, another means, another way of living. And we don't want to go back. We don't want the other. And you've had those days. I guarantee you, you've had mountaintop days. You you went to a conference or you've gone to a... uh, Uh, Camp, or you've had a special moment somewhere, and you go, man, I was just on the spiritual mountaintop, and I didn't come down for like a week, 10 days. And you go, and that whole time I did not sin. That's what he's talking about. So motivated, so on fire for him that those other things just fade into the distance, and they don't take over. And as long as he's central, they don't take over. As soon as he's pushed out of the way, again, like we were talking last few days, the light and the darkness, we say, I don't want the light, and we allow the darkness back in. Because if the light's there, the darkness can't come in. So it's a matter of keeping the light central, and that's what he's saying. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We keep looking, and we're, we're ex- Excited about the possibilities of who we are as children of God and who we will become already and not yet. And when we do that, we continue to live in him and not sin, which is pretty amazing. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. That's the practice. There's, and he hits that over and over in this book. The continual practice of sin is an indication that we don't know him, we don't understand him, we don't listen to him, we're not obedient to him, we don't see him as all that. He's not majestic and glorious. He's really questionable. And my decisions trump his. My way of thinking trump his. And so I'll make my own call. what's important, what the priorities are, what I'm going to do with my life, and how I'm going to do it, how I'm going to treat others, and I don't need no stinking light. I'll just do it my way. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. There's just a a difference in their approach, difference of what's operating within us. It's all, and it all makes a difference on how how we carry out the things that we have to carry out. He keeps going because he keeps going back to dear children. Remember, he's the old guy. It's the end of the first century, and he's reminding everyone uh, that he cares, that he is concerned about all the believers, which is great. And we have this book two thousand years later, and going that is just awesome that he did that and that. For us, he is the old guy. He's the last remaining disciple. He's got a lot of experience, and he has something to say. And so he's sharing that with us. Verse 7, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. In in what way? Because they're doing the right thing. They're, They're listening to God. They have their priorities in the right place. They are excited about what God has in the future. They understand what's already happened. And they are excited about what has not yet happened. But they know with hope, with assurance that it's coming. So they've got all of that. Don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who's been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. He's trying to get rid of that and that influence in our lives and move us in a new direction. He doesn't want us caught in the the way the world operates or the way the devil operates. He wants us to move in a new direction. Keep on sinning. What's that? The priorities are human, and they are... Oh, what the world would say, what's popular in in our time, what's popular with the the Internet or or a particular age and stage of whatever culture we happen to have uh, grown up in or have been a part of or are a part of at this point. Those influences, those pressures, these are the things you have to do. This is how you have to behave. This is what you need to own. This is what you need to do with your days. This is what you need to, and you go, who are you listening to, to to come up with all that? And sometimes it's just us. And when it's just us, what source is operating in us? And that's what he's addressing. What is it that's motivating us to live the life that we're living, the way we're living our lives. How do we use our time? How do we use our money? How do we use our energy, our resources? How do, we, how do we use our day? Is it in such a way that we're looking at him and with the expectation of the glories that will come? And I want to live that out here and now. Because light and love make a difference in this world. Because we're children of God and we're carrying out, you know, being superheroes, spiritual superheroes in, this, in our time. And he's, he's, he wants to destroy the works of the devil. And if we got priorities that are messed up, we got viewpoints that are off, we got opinions that are upside down, he wants to address those things. He wants to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. It's the practice thing. See that again. Because the first chapter of John, don't say you don't sin. Don't say you've never sinned. You will. When you do, take it to him. That's the right thing to do. That is righteousness. That's okay. But making a practice of sinning, saying, well, my way, my priority is my thing, Because God's life is in them. That's why they don't make a practice of sinning. God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. So what is happening? God's children do what's right and love other believers. The devil's children do not do what's right and do not love <laughs> other believers because they'd rather see them destroyed anyway. Doing what's right, choosing those priorities, making what God, what he desires to do and how he desires to do that in whatever culture, time, and history we live is the, is what the right thing is. If we violate that and pursue our own thing, We are pushing him aside. We'd say, "Ah, you know, I don't need so much light. I like a little darkness. I like like being edgy. I I like being out there with the culture, you know. Yeah, practicing those works is exactly what he says. Don't do that. We can tell who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Yeah and it kind of comes home with that. I mean that kind of kind of um, speaks to us. And when when we're talking about the that love uh, that is again not what we feel love is, not how we grew up and we define love, not even what Webster puts in his book. None of those things. It's how God loved. How God has loved us. How his love demonstrated in sending his son who he allowed To be horrendously tortured and killed sacrificially for us is part of that love. It's not all of it because Jesus did a lot more, but we certainly can pick up from that. He's willing to give a lot on our behalf. That's love from his perspective. Now, if you do it from the love from the human perspective, it's, well, I get feels. And if I have feels, that's love. Well, I stopped feeling, so now you're out. I'm moving on to something else. Because love is whatever it is my uh, flawed family taught me when we grew up. Oh, my family wasn't flawed. Don't call God a liar. Your family's flawed. And your view of love is flawed, just as theirs was. And then there's God's view, which isn't. It's pure. It's perfect. And he's saying, that's the love. That's, that's what I'm looking for. If that's practice. Among my family, among my children, that's going to impact the world. Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It comes down to that. So it has to be that love, his love, God's love, His way. And he's giving us that. So those who anyone does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Then we come to love one another. This, in verse 11, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. And these guys were hearing this right off the bat. So that's their training, their early training in in Christianity. As John, he knows what they were trained in. So he knows this is part of it. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil. And his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. So the world, the uh, uh, the government, and whichever system we happen to live in may be opposed to who we are because if we're going to walk with God, we're going to make him the priority. We want to live in such a way that God's priorities are our priorities, that the way he loves is the way we want to love. We want to look to Jesus. We want to look to heaven. We're not looking to political party or to a political scheme, or to some other method of making the world better through those organizations and institutions because they're, they're flawed. It doesn't mean you don't support certain ones and you participate, but that's limited. It's not what God can do and the level of things that he wants to do. And the people who don't know him are going to hate us. They're going to hate our positions. They're going to hate our politics. They're going to hate our ideas. You know this was written two thousand years ago, right? Does that sound current? There it is. Knew it was going to come, but we're not supposed to be like Cain and and join the evil one and be jealous of others, even in the body of Christ. To see somebody walking with God and then be, well, I'm so envious. I'm jealous. I need to say. I need to gossip. I need to put them down. I need to to. Uh, Make sure that they don't get any more attention. I need the attention. I I need, and that's what Cain was, you know, I think I'll just do this. I'll just kill my brother. He's out of the way, then, then I'm the guy. And that didn't work so well. But don't be surprised if the world hates you. Love is right and unlikable to the evil one. Love is right. It's the right thing to do, but it is unlikable. God's love, his way of doing this is really not acceptable to those in power. It could be people in your family, uh, your neighbors, people you work with. Unlikable to the evil one. Evil envies those who do right and loves God and his children. So that's going to come after us, going to come after you. It's just going to be part of the the world system that is opposed to God and what he's doing. In verse 14, 14, 15, proof of life. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. We have passed from death to life, but a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. They don't have eternal life within them. We are back at the portal. So God has entered into this world and brings a spiritual life, spiritual realities. He's bringing things that come from heaven, and he wants to break those things loose in us. And he places this in us. His love is placed in us, the spirit of God is placed in us and he's telling it just eternal life you go, well I haven't experienced that yet yeah. it's supposed to be there, it's a life transforming God's presence in the human being now So once we come to him, we are transformed into beings who will live and have access to the life of God. Now, if we're not practicing these things, because his spirit can't stand it, his spirit does not sin. His spirit does not practice sin. So if we push him aside, we quench the spirit, we shut off the light, and he says, all right. You can have at it and hatred and evil practicing sin can all be part of it we don't have eternal life within us does that mean we don't have eternal life or we're, we're now locked out of heaven no he's talking about that life that force that active part of God within us doing the things that he does he only does that to people who are obedient, who are connected, who are relating with him, who are in fellowship with him. That's why he told us right at the beginning, you got to admit if you sin, you gotta, you got to come clean. you got to come, talk to me, be forgiven. Then I'll cleanse and restore the fellowship. That's how that happens. And then the eternal life is there. You know, what if we turn around and go, well, I hate that guy again. Now well, we got issues. we got to go back and do it again. Confess, get it right. And we keep working on stuff. Anyone who hates it, hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them because they have a whole different uh, desire. But there's a proof of life. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, that's just an amazing thing. It's proof of life, proof of eternal life in us that we care about other believers. It's sad when we see the uh, ripping of other believers in churches. And a church can split, and then people just start gossiping and ripping each other apart. You go, man, that is just ugly stuff. And the world sees that. And they go, yeah, that's ugly. And they get it. I mean, they're smart enough to get that. What does it prove according to 1 John? There's some question about where you are here in your relationship with God and who's operating in you when those things are happening. And have you really passed from death to life? Which is what John wants us to know. How do we have life? How do we know we have life? How does that really work? So there's proof of life. When you stand before the Lord... Verses sixteen to twenty. This is a, this is a powerful part of this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Well, that's a little hard to do if you hate them, you don't like them, don't like getting you know. In a, what do you mean? I. Yeah. I don't want to bring you a cup of coffee. I mean, not even give up our life. Just, I don't know. That's like serving somebody. I don't want to do that. That's asking too much. And here he is. Jesus gave, gave up his life for us. Didn't have to. He was from eternity. He's the holy one. He's the only righteous one. He's the perfect one. And he came and did that nonetheless. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God even if we feel guilty god is greater than our feelings and he knows everything there's a there's a reality of of connecting with other people and giving serving helping participating actually caring about other believers and this starts with a family of faith so that's the start for for uh, the the whole christian thing is built around how do we love one another, how yeah, we can love the rest of the world. we can sign up for all the programs and help the community, but it starts in the house of God. It starts with the family of god it 's the brothers and sisters. How do we do that? and if somebody is in need and we know it and, then, and we have resources to help, then that 's god 's way of saying that 's your turn. You, you have an opportunity now to do something uh, positive in the life of another person and and show. Uh, that love that he was talking about and, and prove that we have passed from death to life and that is actually working in us when we stand before God he's going to have a big bonfire that's First Corinthians chapter 3 a big bonfire and everything we've done is brought into heaven placed on the fire anything that survives the fire we get to take into heaven with us everything that burns up is gone and we have to answer for it so that's coming and what John 's saying is this you want stuff that's going to make it. this is what you do if you 're just looking out for yourself i just I just want to get into heaven don't don't ask any more of me i 'm done. even that's going to be a little questionable and a little shaky. so just like Jesus, we give up our lives, give up our priorities, we give up whatever those things are that are driving us and and we can have those, and our personalities and our interests can all be a part of what God's doing, but we have to check with them. We have to see, is that where he has us at this point in our lives, in the history of the world? Is that the best use of my energy, my money, my time right now? Is that where God wants me to be? Is that what God wants me to do? Is that the person God wants me to interact with or help And and lend them a hand, like the image you see. How do we help somebody else get to the top? Because often built into us is, how do I get to the top? How come people aren't applauding me? I want to be at the top. I want to hear all that. I want the accolades. I want the trophies. He's going, hmm. Jesus' way of doing that, the Son of God, was to lay down his life. So it's really not the way the world does it. So that's part of the thinking that we have to break away from. But if we do it and our, and our actions show it and we belong to the truth, we will be confident when we stand before God. Confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel, feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. Because there may be a sense where I didn't do enough. Did I do it? You know, we may have some of those kind of things. And John said, yeah, that's, that's okay. That's okay. Because if you're giving yourself, you're helping, uh, you're showing some compassion, you're willing to do that. God takes that all into consideration. And God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. That's That's a good one for the refrigerator. Some alignment from 21 and 22. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. Wow. We can come to God with bold confidence because we we're, we're, we're have this relationship with him. We're connecting with him. We're seeking what Jesus is doing. We, we can... Imagine him, we're excited about that, we're looking down the line and saying, yeah, I want to I see him coming, I want to be like him. We can come to God with bold confidence, and we will receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey him and do the things that please him. So, here's the list. Confidence before God, because we're doing the right things and we're doing them for the right reasons. So we have confidence, we can be bold. Obedience pleases God. It means we have to know what He's looking for, what He's trying to do, and then we do it. It pleases God. And then benevolence from God. The response from God is He's going to come through, He's going to respond to our request, to our actually asking for things. If we are listening to God, we're seeking the things, our priorities are shifted, we're going His way, we're listening to Him. And we want to do the things that he wants us to do, so we're obedient, and we find out what those are. Then he wants to respond to our requests, to our prayers, and he wants to give us things that would surprise us when, when we do that. There is uh, a tendency, and this is true even for among, among believers, to go, well, I, I want to, you know, I've prayed a lot. And I've asked God for a new Mercedes-Benz, and it just hasn't happened. And so I'm I'm troubled by, you know, God coming through for me because he really has failed so far. And you get the ridiculousness of that. Some of our, our requests don't fit his purposes. They also don't fit, I found out what God wants me to do, so... I have given myself to him. I'm loving my brothers and sisters in the faith. And I am laying down my life. I've set a different set of priorities. And I am looking forward to that time when I'm going to be with him. So the way I'm going to live my life is drastically different than the, how can you make me comfortable in this life? How can you make things more pain-free and abundant, abundantly Rich for me in this life. And when you read through the scriptures, you go, that's not the deal. Never has been the deal. So when we're requesting these things and we're in line with him, of course he's going to give us what we're asking for. Here's one of the things I get from churches. And this is a in, in wide, wide number of churches, pastors, other Other Christian leaders is pray for this ministry, pray for this outreach, pray for this mission, and that God would uh, would provide that He would be pleased, that He would. And there's a whole host of you get those letters or emails, or you've read those books or seen that. There's a whole list of those. Another way of looking at that is find out what God wants you to do. Go do that if you're obedient. What did we just read? It pleases him. We don't have to ask him to bless our thing. We just need to do his thing, and then he blesses us. Isn't that backwards? We do his thing. Then he brings us what we need. When we ask and we're doing his thing, guess what he does? Provides. We have what we ask for because we're doing what he told us to do huh, so if you're in a boat and there's a huge storm and you see a guy walking across the water and you go, wow, he told us to go to the other side. We've been rowing all night. We haven't gotten there yet, but here he comes. Kind of got everybody's attention. And then Peter says, you know, Lord, how about I come out there and walk with you? So he gets to do that. That worked. He got to do, he was, they were obedient. They'd already fed a bunch of people Miraculously, now they're going across the water. They're having some struggles. And that was all because he was going to walk out there, and you know, he had to, they had to wait. So he comes out. Peter gets to go out as long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus. The moment he starts seeing the storm and making a big deal out of this, everything else, he sinks. He has, and then Jesus saves him again. We have a God who cares about us who wants us to go his direction, and when we do, he will provide the things that we need. He will come alongside in ways that we can't even imagine. In crazy ways, he'll come, he'll come alongside because we're doing what pleases him. We have to find out if one of the things I've tried to present here over the last few years is we need to really get good at hearing God. We need to hear what he has to say because if we know what he's saying, we can be obedient to that. We got to choose to be obedient regardless of what he says. We go do it, and then he's pleased. We ask what whatever he wants us to do. He's going to help us accomplish it because he's going to answer those prayers. If I'm just out for myself, and I go, ah, Lord, it's just. You know, he doesn't answer prayers anymore. I don't even know if there's a God out there. I don't even know if he exists anymore. And there are people in churches who bailed because that's where they wound up. He never said, I'm going to just answer anything willy-nilly. He said, you got to do what pleases God, and you got to love people. Love the people in your church. Love the people in my family, God says. That's where we are. Confidence before God, obedience pleases God, benevolence comes from God so that we can receive from him whatever we ask when we obey and do the things that please him. It's tied to that. So God's commandment, 1 John 3, 24 And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love One another, just as He commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with Him and He with them. And we know He lives in us because the Spirit He gave us lives in us. There's that believing again, there's the loving again. The Spirit is living in us. God lives in us. We're told that Christ lives in us. When that is in us, then, and God is love, so we have the love that is coming from him. He's the, sup- the source, the supply. Then we have a whole different way of living. You go, well, I've tried this. You know, I've, I have pract- I've just given my best to this. He didn't ask us to do that. What he asked us to do, or commanded that we do, is to believe him, to obey him. Because God himself will give us the power, the ability. I just can't overcome this. He can. He can. If we're trying to do it, it's going to come up short. Or maybe we can do it for a couple of weeks, a couple of months. He comes in and we can change things. Inside, in our thinking, our way of acting and responding, our our way of interacting with the world. And the world needs us. We are the spiritual superheroes that will keep this place from being demolished. That's what's keeping it going. That's why this nation isn't like so many others. Because there are people praying. People living... Believing in God, living his way, trusting him. Uh, Not perfectly, but certainly really. And we've seen uh, the impact of that in our own lives. And you can see it around in, in the lives of others. We have a great God. And he is offering us so much in all of this. But he works on the inside. It's not just the idea of it. he's not telling us, well, you just need to be better at this. You know, when you can't do it, you can't do it. And we can't do it. It's him. But to believe that we allow him access in such a way that he transforms the way we think is a huge step. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us. He lives in us, God, God, the father, God, the son, because the spirit he gave us lives in us. That's three of them in us. He created the entire universe. Did this whole world set up, people did everything a few days and somehow we think, but it's impossible for him to work in me and help me have peace or not. Struggle or get along with somebody. You go, wow, really? Believe. Believe. Practice walking with him. With love. Allowing the spirit to have access to every part of us. To change us from the inside out. It is amazing. And John knows about it. He's been living that for years. Remember, he was hot-tempered when Jesus met him. Son's of thunder. Not now. Little children love one another. God, what happened to the thunder guy? Spirit of God got in him, changed him. Different man. And we have access to that same God. And he is ready to do some amazing things in us. Individually and collectively. So let's pray and thank Him for it. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for being in us. Thanks for giving us truth and guiding us. Thank you for the light that is not of this world but comes from you. Thank you for the love that you turn loose that has no end. Lord, thank you for being so involved in our lives, knowing us and loving us so so well. Thank you for for, uh, allowing us to be alive during this time, this point in history, and to be around the people that you've made available to us so that we can practice love and truth and to radiate your light to them. It is amazing, and we give you our thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.